Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning. We are very glad that you've joined us today. We have a really interesting guest today. Michelle Dutra is going to be joining us. She's an Air Force veteran. And well-being and PTSD and assisting with female veterans is her passion. And it is something that came from years and years of understanding that there needed to be a different method, a different approach to helping female veterans. She also works with first responders and is one herself. And we're going to talk today about why there are some things that are different or received differently and communicated differently to men and women, why so many things, gratitude and volunteerism and serving others is so ingrained in those who serve and why it's important to keep on serving. So, Michelle, welcome to Military Network Radio. Thank you, Linda. I'm super glad to be here. It's always fun to talk to someone who has seen the world, understands the needs, and then takes a small niche and works on that becoming very focused. Because I think so many programs in the world work to help and fix everyone. And I think we all know that PTSD is very specialized in everyone. We all view our lives through a different lens and perspective and experience. And so it can't be a one-size-fits-all. So talk about how you first grew up in California, went to serve, and then questioned what you were doing in the corporate world and became a person who helps others, continuing to serve. Yes. So you're, you're exactly right. Everything that you just listed off, I firmly believe in. And I also believe, and, and I certainly don't mean to uh, have any disrespect for anybody where this doesn't apply, but maybe this is just me personally. It's just much easier and more authentic to teach from a place that I personally know. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I didn't get my nonprofit status for trauma, say for uh, people with childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself, while trauma and there's many faces of it, there's also nuances within each type of trauma, if you will, although there's a lot of overlay and uh, the symptoms uh, also are quite similar. But my my very specific focus is exactly what I have uh, been through with people and know about firsthand. So you're exactly right. I was in the Air Force uh, quite a few decades ago. And then uh, <laughs> 10 years after that, uh, I, I wish I could say much shorter ago, but that's not true. No, and no, then no, decades you actually after that, don't. I was a firefighter. You- so Right. No, you don't want to say it was shorter ago because I think what you bring to the table is experience and you bring life with you. And I, I think that so often we discount and when we start to measure things in decades, which I do as well, is it, it, we, we are so much smarter, kinder, more compassionate, more experienced and better at assisting other people than we were when we were 20. 
Exactly. Which always makes me laugh when I see somebody who pops up on Instagram announcing they're a life coach at 22. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> okay. Uh, not sure about that, but yes, exactly. So my, my background and my experience is that of being in the military and then uh, many years later being a firefighter. And you specifically had asked, so how do we go from one to another and what is that all about? My background also is in life coaching. And so while I uh, don't necessarily prescribe that you just wait till January 1st to evaluate, hey, did last year go the way I want and what is next year, uh, that we do that on a little more frequently uh, of a basis. But I do that constantly. And so there was a time when I had left the military in the corporate world and said, all right, something has got to be bigger than this. I don't want my headstone to read. Here lies Michelle uh, Dutro, who sold more widgets than anyone. And so I thought, well, I've got to do something uh, about that then. So I thought, well, who who really is is the most helpful? I, I'd really like to help and be able to give back. Well, I could become a doctor. I'm thinking, Michelle, okay, first of all, look how old you are. That's not, I don't have enough time for that. Well, then you could become a nurse. Cool, I'll do that. Well, who's, who's the most helpful in the nursing community? I should become an ER nurse. Well, that's what I'll do. I'll go become an ER nurse. And I thought, well, is there anybody that is, is um, maybe even, you know, more extreme than that? And I thought, well, before you make it to the ER, someone might have to scrape you off the pavement. Mm -hmm. Well, that, okay, there's that. So that really was the thought process behind becoming a firefighter, having no idea, uh, with no background of this. I thought, oh, you just fill out an application and off you go. Uh -uh. Oh, no, 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 no. It was two years mm -hmm. of testing everywhere. And, uh, uh, it was my last my last effort where I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to pull the plug on this. And I was 35 at the time. So understand people I'm going through the academy with literally could have been my kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. You look at a, you know, a 19 year old and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And understandably, you're going through the fire academy, no different than the military. And the standards are exactly the same again, as they should be, right? You're, Agreed. if you're in combat or whatever you're doing, you've got to be able to handle whatever the situation is regardless. So, uh, made it through that. And then here we go again, that evaluation time, it's a couple of years later and we're on these calls and 80% of your firefighting time is on medical calls, about 20% right. are fire calls. Right. And we'd go on the same diabetic seizure, the same chest pain. And I'd mm -hmm. find myself saying, all right, wh why, why are we here three times this week on a diabetic seizure? Let's take a look at your kitchen. Let's take a look at your refrigerator. What are you eating? And the whole crew going, Michelle, uh, we're emergency medicine. We're in and we're out. We're, we're not uh, sitting here evaluating people's right. life. And I thought, you know what? But that's my heart's calling. Mm -hmm. My heart's calling is actually, I would rather help people prevent emergencies than responding from them. And that's just mm -hmm. my particular thing. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, it has always been in my head. I know that it is a lot easier to make a life change, uh, a significant one when you can step out of your life. And if you can do that for a day, two or three and step back and really say, what's working here in my life and, and, and what could I really step up to have a, a higher quality of life for myself so that I could then potentially provide a higher quality of life for someone else. And so I knew one day I wanted to open a retreat center. I didn't think it would take me 15 years, but it was a 15-year process. I was in private practice for more than a decade. Mainly, my starting point was as a biofeedback therapist, which is one of the things that we do here at the Retreat Center. Mm -hmm. But it really was this evolution of time saying, one day I'm going to have a place and I can bring people and we can kind of step out of what our, you know, quote unquote reality is and create a new one, which is the intention behind this whole place. Take a step backward. You just talked about self-awareness, and you obviously take a look inside and do check-ins with yourself from time to time, very deep ones. What do you counsel those who say, I don't have time? Or, more importantly, they start to look, and they don't like what they see, so they stop, 
Or it's suddenly more difficult than it looks to say, hey, what am I good at? What do I want to do? What is serving me well? What is not serving me well? I see so many people who start down the path of change and then stop because they are either overwhelmed or they tell themselves, eh, it doesn't matter. It's too hard. But oftentimes the real reason is that they don't know what to do to get those small steps to take a look. We're too busy these days. So to take the time, it's hard. You used to get an eye roll about five years ago. If you ask someone to be self-aware and take a look, what really matters to you? I think that has somewhat changed at this point. But do you find that? I do. And uh, there's so many different uh, avenues I could go down here with everything you just said. You know, I, I don't remember if it was Socrates, Plato, so I apologize out there, who said, you know, that <laughs> the uh, the life uh, uh, that is not self-examined is not worth living. And right. I agree with that completely. And so I, I also love when people are like, you know, I, I'm, I'm too busy uh, mm-hmm. to create a life I love. Okay, well, mm-hmm. here's the thing. I don't argue with any of those people. No. If your life is too chaotic and you're too busy, I just have one question. Do you want next year to be a repeat of this year? Because if it was so stellar and your relationships are great and you're making more money than you can spend and you are giving back in more ways than anybody could possibly imagine, you're healthier than you ever have been. You have more energy and stamina than, you know, uh, 50 people 20 years younger than you. Then why am I going to get in the way of that? But if any one of those categories is not that, then I would say if you don't take the time now, you know what they say, pay now or you're going to really pay later, right? And so if we're not taking the time right now to really think about that and focus on that, uh, again, everybody I think has a breaking point where they say enough is enough. Agreed. Enough is enough. But I also think a lot of people are comfortable in their chaos. They like to just say they want to do things. It's much, much harder to do and make changes. And it's much easier to tell other people to make changes as opposed to yourself, which is why sometimes when you do start to make changes and you tell people, they're the naysayers because it's not that they wish you ill. That usually is not the case, but they're afraid to do the same thing. That's and right. So I think and it's the top poppy fears. Yes. 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 Yep. Tell, explain that to some of our listeners. The to, it, it's, it's originated uh, out of Australia. It's a common term that is used mm-hmm. there as a tall poppy syndrome. And it's it's just by human nature. Uh, and again, it's it's I, I really don't believe that it's a it's a conscious thing that anybody would want to bring someone down. It's a very subconscious driven mm-hmm. thing. But when someone gets too tall gets ahead of the rest of us, right? Making changes, go, whether it's more money or they're healthier, uh, that doesn't, it's not that our focus is look how great they're doing. It makes me now feel bad that I'm not doing that. And so it's much easier for me to bring you down tall poppy, cut that level right back out. You get, don't stand out in the crowd. Don't stand out in the field. You're going to come right back down here with the rest of us so that I can continue to live my life and feel good about what I'm doing. And I can't, if by comparison, you're getting ahead. But I believe firmly of the things that I teach is you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. Ugh, and if those five 100%. people 
are not pushing you and saying you can do better, you can be better. And how can I uh, how can I support you? And what can I do to make sure that that happens? If those aren't your five people, I'm going to tell you, you can try to fight that tide and it's not going to work. Water always seeks a common ground. You're going to be the equivalent of all of those people. And sometimes I think the hardest thing is to do. It's like uh, an alcoholic who no longer gets to go to the bar. And if he doesn't go to the bar, his friends are drinkers. Now, what do you do? Well, the reality is you're going to have to find uh, possibly a new set of friends that have this same mindset if you truly do want to do something different with your life. And to me, that's one of the biggest changes is taking a look at your environment and saying, uh, this, this isn't working for me. They're not serving me. And you know what? You probably aren't serving them either. Exactly right. And I I think that that is a very common thing, which is why I said self-examination is not easy. It is not pleasant and it takes time. You can't rush it and you actually have to think about so many aspects and dimensions of your own personality, which is not easy to look at sometimes. We're going to go on a quick break. We will come back and continue our conversation with Michelle Dutro. And we are very glad you've joined us today. So much more to come. Don't go away. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Mike McMillan from Ontario, Canada, was driving to a meeting when he saw what looked like a can of cola moving around on the side of the road. Curious, he stopped to investigate and discovered a skunk had gotten its head stuck in a soda can. After a moment of abulia, or indecision, he decided to try and save the potentially woofy animal. Woofy is another word for smelly. He grabbed the can and engaged in dang swaying, or a cooperative tug of war with the skunk, all the while hoping he wouldn't get sprayed. Finally, the skunk managed to pop its head out of the can and land safely on the ground. After a brief stare down, the skunk turned and ran into the woods. What's another word for running away in fright? Funkify. It's marching down. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. Right before the break, we were talking about the tall poppy syndrome and how people are not always supportive of when you want to make changes. I know that I personally made a decision 
about three years ago now, that I would only surround myself with people who inflate me, not deflate me. And then that became a walk to becoming more resilient, becoming understanding of the fact that I can't change other people. Only they can change themselves. And I think we all know what we, quote, should be doing, but we don't always do it. And so if we want to make changes to better ourselves, but others are not are holding us back, we have to be resilient about how we make those changes. As you said, go make new friends. Not an easy thing to do the older you get, or if you're working, or if you're working and raising children, if you're at home all the time. There are many reasons why people turn to social media, which is a a whole different topic. But I'm going to keep this one on resiliency because I think it's important to know that there are ways to bolster your mind, bolster your mental fitness, bolster the way you view things through a perspective. And the more you can take out the peaks and valleys that take you up, down, up, down, up, down, the less exhausting it can be. Talk about why it matters to develop resiliency. So this is a really wide and broad topic. And what's uh, fascinating to me is people who describe themselves as resilient. Oh, nothing gets me down. And then the next statement will complain <laughs> about something that happened a month ago. You're uh-huh. like, well, what are we what are we talking about with such, uh, you know, uh, anger and rage? Sure. Over what happened. So the reality is that didn't just happen that day. That's still happening to you a month later. That that is not resiliency. That's called staying stuck. And why it matters is if you just look again as a biofeedback therapist or stress reduction therapist by trade, there are most people, at least in in this field, that would agree that all sickness and disease is rooted in your level of stress. Mm -hmm. It not only is going to break down your immune system, so allowing whatever to, to come in and take you out, but your ability to heal and get well is directly related. And there's thousands of studies on this. Mm-hmm. on how well you can bounce back is is also related to what your stress level is. Mm-hmm. So this is absolutely imperative twofold. One, that let's let's take a, a one as our peak and is great and and 10 is just the worst feeling ever. That one we don't ever get to a 10, at, at most we get to a 5, and then when we get to a 5 that we don't stay there that we as quick as possible get back to a 1. That to me is resiliency. Mm-hmm. Is it, we, we uh, things don't take us out that bad and we uh, come back quicker. Uh, biofeedback again what you get to see in biofeedback is your true physiology. Because biofeedback, by definition, is a lie detector test. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting on denial of how much we lie to ourselves about what's really going on, whether we're aware of it or not. So if I have you hooked up and I say, tell me about your uh, day yesterday, and you start talking and you think everything's fine and the and you look on the screen and it looks <laughs> like a seismograph, it's freaking out. Or another one, we were just talking about being moms. Uh, tell me about your mother. And the person doesn't talk and the machine freaks out. It's like, oh, well, what do we have there going on? And so this is a good indicator because your physiology isn't lying. It's your inner truth, right? right. And so it's to say, okay, one, what's going on with that? Because anything that has that strong of a pull 
on you actually has power and control over you. Mm -hmm. And so there's number one is, is we've got to find, and there's several different, very effective uh, methodologies or techniques or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. to, uh, to be able to better that it truly in an instant, but two also that over time, there are different techniques and things you can do uh, such that, again, we don't get to uh, that, that end peak, uh, but our ability to rebound is much faster. And so whatever it is, uh, and I teach, you know, various different things uh, that you can find all over the place mm -hmm. to say, which one speaks to you? And right. it's to and me twofold. Important. Yes. Yeah. Not, not, and it's not one it's size not fits all. Work. Nope. Right. You'll never do it. It's like a diet. Mm -hmm. Right. That sounds great. It may work for a week. But anytime someone says I'm starting a new diet, my first question is, is this something you're going to do every day of the rest of your life? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, she's going to be for 30 days till I lose that weight. OK, then what, then happens? what happens? We just go back right. to our habit that got us to be 500 pounds to begin with. Not right. a plan. Same thing here. If this is not something that you enjoy and could imagine doing as a way of life, it won't be sustainable. And out of everything that's out there, there are the things that you could find that are quick that will, uh, you know, not to get technical, but the amygdala is the part of the brain that senses fear. And so there are many different techniques that tap into quite literally calming the amygdala down so that, so that our, that our fight or flight is not so over the top. Right. And then there are other things you can do. And, and I know I'm just going to say the word meditation and it's going to freak people out or some people it does. I love when people say, I am way too busy to deal with meditating. Well, you are the exact person then who actually needs to, because if you give that 10 minutes a day, what you're going to gain back is double, triple, quadruple fold in your time because you aren't chaotic anymore. And to me, if you look at just the, the purest sense of the word, really by definition of meditation is when they say, well, I can't quiet my mind. I can't not have a thought that, well, that's not the goal. The goal is I'm just going to sit here in silence, no input, no social media, no TV, no telephone, no talking, no input. I, I don't care if you sit in a closet or a mountaintop, it doesn't matter, but you see, here comes a thought. We acknowledge it and we let it go. Mm -hmm. And the more we can see, oh, here comes some feeling I'm having. Okay, I see that you're showing up. I'm going to acknowledge that you're here and I'm going to let you go. And meditation is, I think, by definition, resiliency training in and of itself is mm -hmm. I'm not trying to deny that this feeling isn't here. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to understand why is fear showing up right now or why is anger showing up right now? I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm going to let it go so that I can stand in the observer role and say, huh, what about this actually angered me? What about this is even a trigger for me? And when we can stand in the observer and pull back from it, now that thing doesn't have control over us because we're not in it. And it's, again, that self-examination. When you can step back and say, what's, go what's going on here? I'm, not, I'm not, not telling you it's legitimate that you're feeling angry. I'm saying take a second and say, what about this? Because if you can go back and figure out, oh, it's just like that guy Johnny a year ago. All right, then let's not talk about Bobby right now. Let's talk about Johnny from a year ago. Because if we got rid of that first trigger, it, it's a domino effect. Then everybody like that also goes away and we don't ever have to worry about being triggered on that topic or that feeling again. Well, and you're also talking about learned behavior. Sure it am. takes mindful, intentional work yes. to, to do what you're talking about. And, and work is not a dirty word. It's, no. it's not especially if it's for self-improvement and resiliency that will let you bounce back a lot easier. You know, when you're around someone who is not chaotic, what a pleasant experience it is. 
Right. And you know, sometimes when I know I've done this, where I know I am being very tense and intense to be around, it doesn't make people comfortable. Right. And so it's harder to attract those people that you want to be around until you learn to tame yourself. And that is a learned skill. And, you know, it's why you hear the term, uh, my yoga practice. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as I'm done. I, it's like uh, mm-hmm. when people say, what do you mean a meditation practice? Well, that would be the equivalent of you saying, I'm going to go to the gym this week. And then what's cool is I'm done for the rest of my life. Turns out I'm just <laughs> always in shape. <laughs> it's just I'm done. Well, Wait, no, that would that, be way too easy. and we'd be uh, It's exactly right. It's the same thing is anything that you want to maintain is your practice. It's no different than a gratitude practice. It becomes something right. that you do every day until it's to the point. Truly, it just becomes you and it's your way of being and it's your way of living. That is an ongoing forever commitment, an everyday intention. And every time you drift off of that intention, it's OK. Wait, hang on. Let's come back. Who is it that I want to be? And then it doesn't matter to me what you do in life. It matters to me how you do it. That's I imperative. I agree with you. I, one of the things that strikes me as so, um, I always listen for, is if someone is very resistant, what they're worried about, threatened by, unhappy with, is usually something that's been there for a long time. Yeah. So what, what you resist persists. That's right. And so if, if you don't want to examine it, okay, that's your choice. But you will also find that it will impact other people around you, your children, your relationships, your work, and it will eventually hurt your health. Correct. Correct. And, and don't you step back and say when it's, oh, no, I couldn't do that. All I ask is, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. If this were to change... And there are people that become addicted to their chaos, right? That becomes their identity. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just so busy. I'm so this. I'm so that. Okay, well, two things. What are you afraid of that would happen if you changed? Mm -hmm. And two, what is your gain for being this way? Mm -hmm. Because both of those must exist for you to maintain that habit or that way of being in whatever that is. I don't care if it's smoking, drinking, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. any, any, anything, shopaholic, uh, somebody who's stressed out all the time is what's the gain of that lifestyle? Because it is something, whether it's you think that you, that's your significance. Oh, there's John. He's always so busy. He's always got so much going on. And you hear that over and over. You and do. somehow you identify that being busy or that chaotic as you've equated that to being successful. Oh, you've always got so much going on, Johnny. Tell me more about what's going on now. Okay. If you think that if I were to make that life change, people would no longer view me as successful. It's also one of the big worries of the corporate world about meditation right. is I don't want to lose my edge. I don't want to lose my passion and my drive. This is why I'm number one in sales. Again, it's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. If you had all control over everything you think and everything you feel, now instead of your energy being scattered and fragmented, it can be honed in and laser focused on exactly what's going to get you the results without losing your passion. In fact, I tell you, you could double it. This is a different perspective. But you're exactly right. And it's just taking that first step. And I think the other thing that is often problematic is people want to change overnight. Right. And it's a long process. You did not get there over one month, two months, two years, 10 years. And so I, I don't know if we're being compassionate enough with ourselves to realize that significant change must take place over time in incremental steps. It is. And again, we're talking about what is it to develop the habit of resiliency? Mm -hmm. Well, what is a habit? It takes time. 
right? We've established this habit of chaos. We've established a habit of anxiety and panic attacks. That's that's a conditioned response to a stimulation. Right. Mm-hmm. That conditioning took time. That, that was the habit you built. When this happens, here's how I respond. That's That now has become hardwired. But what we know with neuroplasticity, right, is you right. can rewire that, but no one gets to rewire that for you. Exactly. That's your right. work. Unless you're going to sign up and, for a lobotomy, that's your work. Uh, not advised, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So we're going on another break, and we will be back, and then we will talk about how adversity makes us stronger in many ways and, and teaches us things, and the difference for women vets and responders. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vien in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate loblolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We were talking on the break. I wish you could hear our break sometimes. But we were talking on the break about often how adversity and the ways and things we learn from the hard times in our lives are often more valuable than when everything is just swell. And it's not easy. Sometimes you're really broken and bent by that. But what you do with that experience and how you recover from it you really do learn over time that there are tools you can use, the resilience that we were talking about in the last segment, but also that adversity teaches us things about ourselves. If nothing else, it teaches us that we have grit and that we are stronger than we think. And so I would like to talk a little bit about that and then move into the unique challenges that women do face. So talk first about adversity and learning and grit and how you can benefit from it. So uh, one statement, which I don't think is an opinion, I just look at this as fact, is you are only as strong as your greatest challenge. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's all there is to it. So if you have any desire for uh, strength or courage or stamina, then it should be expected you're going to have to do things. You know, I love the line. Well, I want to become courageous. OK, then you're going to have to do things that require courage. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no other way for that to happen. Uh, no different than our last uh, chat of I'd like to be resilient or have peace. Then you're going to have to do things actively mm-hmm. that bring you more internal peace, regardless of external chaos. Right. Mm-hmm. This, though, uh, could be be seen as uh, controversial, but it's not anything that I ever shy away from. This goes back to when I was in private practice and I would have people come in and say, you know, I just really want this, this exciting life and the this and the that. And I say, well, you know, give me some highlights of it. And they say, well, okay. Uh, you know, I, I went to high school, then college. And so, uh, then I got married and, and they walk through their life and it's just all been a walk in the park. And so this is going to be shocking for people, uh, maybe if this <laughs> describes you, but then my response is, okay, so don't be upset. You just simply signed up for a life of insignificance. Right. You sit there, what? And I said, look, here's the deal. And and this goes back to philosophy of how you see life. Mm -hmm. But if you signed up for a life where you say, you know what, I want this lifetime to be insignificant, then what that means is I also don't want challenges. I want things to be easy. That's that. Exactly. Right. We're just going to be a a level five, a flat line. But there's other people that I would meet uh, that would come in and it would be, uh, you know, again, not to be shocking, but uh, I was abused as a child by my father and my uncles. And then I was gang raped uh, in a bathroom in high school. Mm -hmm. And these are very real stories. Mm -hmm. And my response is exactly the same. But in the opposite, wow, you sure signed up for a life of significance, didn't you? Because these are the people that you were meant to help. And if we go back to the very beginning of the show, I said, you don't have to say anything. Someone looks in your eye and they know you get them. Mm-hmm. Without saying a word, when someone says in a vulnerable moment, well, here's what I've gone through, and they share it because they just inherently know somehow you're going to understand and get it without uh, being shamed or judged. But they know that because they know on some level you can relate. And if you've gone through whatever it is, that, believe it or not, is your gift to be able to help someone else struggle less. Uh, there's, no, there's no other way around it. No. And I think it's also about sharing vulnerability yes. and compassion. That means you're very courageous because being vulnerable is not something you can do when you're in a weakened state. It is something you can do when you are feeling stronger or on a healing path, you don't have to already be there, but being vulnerable says, I, I have weakness too, but here's what I'm doing about it. And I, I find that that draws people to you sometimes because they do understand what you're going through. Not identical experiences. Nobody is one-upping anybody, That's but right. there is a, an empathy factor and, and a real admiration and respect for people who've stepped outside terrible circumstances. That's right. And and again, let's go back to the beginning of the show where we're talking about, you know, niching down and not mm-hmm. all things are, are relatable, even if we look at the category of PTSD. Right. But if you look at, if you look back at your life and say, give me the highlights of what you would deem as your worst experiences, moments or uh, encounters. And if whatever that commonality is, so imagine that specific group of people you could help tremendously so that it wasn't that you can help in spite of all of those things. You're, you're able to now help somebody to such a degree because of them. Mm-hmm. And so it's changing really this framework of, you know, uh, look at poor me, look at all these things that happened. Being a victim, uh, you're never going to empower anyone. 
So until you change that mentality and say, no, these things happen, they absolutely did. And I want to be the first one to use my voice to say, hey, if you're someone similar and these things happen to you, let's join forces here. Let's let's talk about what this is. Uh, let's step out of the shadows, which is uh, hopefully this movement around mental health is going to continue to do is not keep things locked in Pandora's box, which keeps mm-hmm. us uh, in the worst possible state ever. But really being able to have the courage of a true warrior and speak your truth. And then everybody, if we can all come out of the shadows to say me, too. And now with this, how can we lead our best life and help other people because of it? That does Again, take courage. You know, I think also, though, if you don't see dark or have lived in, in dark or have shadows, it's much harder to appreciate the light. But having gone through, and everybody's life goes through something. I always love the statement about, you know, you don't know what someone else is going through silently, so be kind. Because right. almost everyone is going through one or multiple things in life that are challenging. And they may not openly talk about them to you. It may be something that they're quiet about, which is absolutely okay. But if they are acknowledging something in you that they recognize, that's a gift. And I think that we engage so little these days. While we are more connected than ever, engagement can be very, very low. And that brings us to women are often not as open as one would think about sharing their challenges. Uh, I know many women who are, but I also know many women who refuse to acknowledge anything but the sunny spots. They're the people who um, have the highlight reel on Facebook only. And, you know, otherwise it's internally, it's a compare and despair. And that's a shame. That goes for men too. But, But since we're talking about the unique challenges that women face in more male dominated fields, how do you address that and build so, from it? Right, right. And and here's what I think uh, women come into this whole paradigm with, which is women are the nurturing caretakers, mm-hmm. right? That's our role. That's our job. As moms, uh, we are raised that way uh, Of uh, as little girls. Here's the dolly that you carry around and take care of. So it's, it's ingrained in us as, uh, you know, as all women are. And so then there's part of what we fight against is how can I be the nurturing caretaker if I acknowledge that I'm falling apart? Mm-hmm. If my job is to be here for you and, and, you know, put on that happy face and everything is great and, you know, the perfect hair and the perfect dress and the perfect everything. And then we also get to that whole, which is what social media is fantastic for, <laughs> is this comparison. Oh, yes. Look what someone else is doing, which if we all acknowledge that all social media is, is a magazine, right? It's all fake. It's all airbrushed. It's all the best possible thing that, uh, you know, no, no model even uh, lives into. Or by the way, why would you ever uh, have the goal of living a life where all you do is drink coffee and eat a slice of cucumber uh, in order to maintain your job? That's that should be heralded by no one. So social media is the same thing. And it is a big balance of when you put yourself out there, again, I'm just going to be specific to social media and say, hey, here's everything going on, is then you also get judged of, oh, look at this gal trying to get attention. Look at her with the poor me. Mm -hmm. And so then you can kind of get daggers on both sides, which is why I don't think that we're ever going to look at mental health and wellness uh, from, from Twitter or Instagram. 
that Facebook or Facebook, all of it is to say, Hey, let's get back to community and let's get back to one-on-one time and true sharing about what's real. True face-to-face communication. I'm one of those annoying people that talks to you in the grocery store line and I don't know you. That's right. Because I find that people are so lonely. That's right. They're, they're, and I've never been rebuffed, not yep. once when not I once. just made a nice comment or, or, you know, hello or a smile, because I think we are thirsty, hungry, parched, you name the word, That's for right. face-to-face communication and, and community, as you say, because there's very little community. But women can be among the strongest communities when they trust. Correct. Correct. Which, by definition, how are we doing that? Uh, you know, on 120 uh, characters per statement, it doesn't. That doesn't translate at all. And so, I think it's hopefully this pendulum shift of we could use Facebook, maybe in the best world, to find people local to us that we can get together once a month, once a week, whenever it is, uh, for coffee, tea, a glass of wine, and then have these very actual, real conversations to say, hey, here's what I'm feeling, to where someone else can look at you and say, me too. Hey, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And it's not a victim commiserating kind of thing. It's validating how right. and what you feel, unlocking it from Pandora's box. And then instead of, like we said before, about these these groups of people that we have, not people that want to, good, now I know your secret. Now I know the buttons to push to keep you down. No, Ugh. okay, now that I know your struggle, how can I help and let's get there together? And empowering and bringing people down, talk about polar opposites, but we'll go back to this. If you don't step back and really take a look at who that, you know, coffee chat tribe of yours is and right. look at how do they respond to me? Are they somebody who's, oh, me too. Well, you can't expect any better than life. You know, look at where we live. Of course, it's this way. Those are not your people. Those are not your people, people who you feel you can be honest and you can share and be heard and be validated for what's real. And then we get that all out. Remember, I said we, we don't have to go all the way to a 10. We can get to a five. And then we're resilient as a group to say, and, and how can we help each other now with this, knowing this and accepting this and still be our best? Did you feel you had that experience in the military? Absolutely not. Fire department, absolutely not. Absolutely. No, the first thing I was told, because we uh, was called the Air Force's Army, there's two units in all of the Air Force that are more Army. We're out playing war games all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very first time we went out, the first thing, I remember someone yelling at me, you know, your curling iron's not going to work out here. Okay. Oh, great. That's what you thought, really? Uh, And so I was tear gassed more than anybody. You know, Mm -hmm. they're putting you through the whole rigmarole. Uh, One, I mean, obviously they want to make sure that they're not going to lose their life because there was somebody who's weak. But it's just, unfortunately, this is the way of the world of women is no matter what you're doing, you have to do it twice as good to even be seen as equal. Mm -hmm. That's a a very, very different challenge that a woman has in a male dominated world is you can outrun, outpace, outdo. And it's, yeah, maybe she'll make it. If a guy did all that, you know, he'd be, uh, holy cow, look at this. This guy is our gold standard for what one day we all hope to be. And it's just, uh, it really is a very different thing. I wish I could say that I think that's changed over time, um, but I don't believe that it has. And so again, why does resiliency matter? Why does having a tribe of women matter? Because until men have our back and we truly are equal, then who we need to count on and depend on is our tribe. 
is, hey, this is what you're going through. This is what I'm feeling. How did you handle that? How did you deal with that? How are you so resilient in that situation? Because if the situation can't change, then you have to change the way you see the situation. And all of us have that capability. It's, again, being around the right people and maybe the right training and the right skills in order to do so. But acknowledging, no, this is very real. And not only do women face a very unique challenge in that way of having to be twice as good to be seen as equal. Uh, and we, we all know the thing about less pay. I'm oh, so sorry. We'll no be problem. right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become bruxomaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A bruxomaniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're talking with Michelle Dutro, and I think it's time to go into... We, we talked about the challenges that women do have, and clearly it's something you're very passionate and knowledgeable about. Talk about how you decided to start a PTSD retreat center that served women, veterans and first responders. So this was a bit of an evolution because I didn't start this way, but because this program is a train-the-trainer program, mm -hmm. part of my thing was that uh, you can only help so many people if you're only helping the people that physically come here, right? I can only do so many treats right. per year. But if you learned the skills and then were able to teach them, whether it's your base, your community, your home, or sitting at a bus stop, then we could start to have a domino effect on PTSD and, and hopefully potentially the suicide rate in this way. Well, part of the program is that your last step is to come back and co-teach. Mm. 
I don't mix groups, so I don't mix men and women for obvious reasons. I also don't mix police and fire with military because they're also very different issues and different things. Yes. So with that, when it was this, okay, you've got to come back and teach, uh, uh, this may be really hard to un- uh, imagine, but to have a couple of women <laughs> teaching men veterans, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't go over so well. In fact, I had one guy tell me because part of what you get is guided meditation downloads. Mm-hmm. And he said, Michelle, I mean, no offense here, but do you have recordings that a man has done? Because uh, I just can't go to sleep thinking that I'm getting help from a woman. Interesting. So, oh, and valid, right? So I can just stand back and mm-hmm. say, okay, I, I, I want, if I want to be able to help the best and the most mm-hmm. amount of people possible, then I have to acknowledge some of these inherent differences and inherent challenges. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, the suicide rate, if you look at statistics, yes. women commit suicide at two and a half times the rate of men. Right. So now I've got to teach the teacher program where you're, you're coming back and co-teaching. I can't, you know, mix groups. So there was one, the suicide rate is another and uh, maybe hard to believe, but if you look at the uh, groups that are out there for uh, PTSD or just even stress and anxiety or just programs that are for veterans, the majority are hunting, fishing, deep sea, this uh, challenge Bass courses. Fishing. Right. Uh, that's exactly right. And so not to say that women uh, aren't inspired to go do those things, but let's be honest, they're geared for guys. And so when I then started researching saying who out there has retreats specifically for women, I found retreats that would do a woman retreat, but I could not find one that was solely 100% devoted. And please, if you're listening to this and you know of one, let me know because I'm always looking for resources to send people to as well. But I couldn't find any that everything they did was for female veterans and first responders exclusively. And 90% of them, whether they want to say it or not, truly are exclusively for men. So I thought, one, there's a need. I clearly can relate because I am a female veteran and I was a first responder as a woman. So I know firsthand what your challenges are within those career fields. Mm -hmm. And now on my train, the trainer, this becomes a lot easier in bringing people back and being able to teach any class without any kind of stigma of, oh, great. Now we're going to sit here and learn from three women. Isn't this fantastic? And I I don't want barriers. Critical. And I want to hear your opinion on this is that in all of the retreats that I am aware of, male, female, co-ed, husbands, wives, whatever it may be, camaraderie is what is spoken about the most. Correct. And, you know, that since the there are greater numbers of men in the military and in the uh, emergency fields, it it is important that women find their own tribe and their own camaraderie right. practices. Do you find that some women would prefer to be in a co-ed environment? Well, what I think is, is and, and you could, and all of these things I've investigated as well, what it comes down to is this ability to share. When we talked about vulnerability, yes. yes, a man in front of, again, a woman's a nurturing caretaker. A man right. is the warrior and I'm going to take care of you. Right. Very challenging for a man to even open up in front to of another man. That's but a true. man to open up in front of a woman when it's my job to protect you. And now you're thinking I was out on the front line and that whole time I was weak right. is really challenging for a man to do. That's right. exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and and I'll, I only have you here for three days, mm-hmm. and so I can't take all three days just to get you to even want to talk. Um, so it, it's that thing again uh, with the limitation that I have here in time, mm-hmm. and knowing that if we're going to do great work, and by the time you leave here, you really are at the place of being solid within yourself and being able to pay it forward and go out and teach this. Uh, then I've got to set up an environment that we can honestly hit the ground running from day one. Right. Because otherwise your efforts will not multiply. You will not be able to leverage all that you are passing on to others. So talk about what happens at a retreat. So the first day is all around mindset. Just like we had talked about the last time, which I got so excited talking to you about, I couldn't stop talking, (laughs) is, um, is, uh, is this thing around understanding why every single thing has happened in your life Mm -hmm. for you, not to you. Mm -hmm. And when you can really embrace that everything happens for a reason and your greatest good actually has nothing to do with you, it has to do with your ability to impact positively, whether it's one person, 10 people, a hundred thousand people, what Mm -hmm. someone else and, and you can't impact someone else if you're suffering. So first of all, we've got to get past a suffering state, whether it's panic attacks, anxiety, depression, loneliness, withdrawal, whatever that is, because when you get, I want my, again, let's go back to my time with what do I want my tombstone to read. Mm-hmm. If, if your tombstone read, thank goodness for, uh, Betty Joe, because of her, my life was so much better. I, I think we all would like to feel that, right? We contributed, we left a legacy in some way, shape or form. So if that's the case and everything you went through is meant to help someone else and you're not, then you've got to step back and say, what if right now someone is out there that's suffering and they're in your world because you're meant to help them? Then that's your obligation. So it's also your obligation. You've got to get well. We've got to get this straightened out. That's what you have to do. And so day one is mindset of really having the foundation understanding of why you're here, why your life has happened the way it has, and why your life is meant to contribute to others. Then we spend day two on skills. You learn the three skills that I teach in this program, figure out between tapping, yoga, which is guided meditation, and heart math, which is a biofeedback, which one of these really resonates with you. They work with PTSD or stress and anxiety in different ways. They work fabulously all together. And then day three is, okay, with these skills that we've learned, what is the ongoing practice? We get together on Skype once a month for three months. Um, But now, which one are you most inclined and how will you utilize that and in what settings uh, paying it forward. And then, like I said, we're together after that. It's not like you're done and I never see you again, but we get together on how's the training going? What are your experiences? Who have you been working with? So that, and then this is a private Facebook group. So we talked about that camaraderie. So now people are in different stages of their training can get together and say, share, Oh, I just saw so-and-so. And it doesn't have to be a woman at this point. Right. Right. Now you can be with somebody and say, Hey, here's what I learned. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. I don't know, but let's give this a try. Mm-hmm. And having that kind of army, if you will, out there of people doing good because they realize that I went through what I went through in order to authentically help someone else changes everything. Well, and it also raises their own inner gratitude, which is huge. huge. When you have gratitude toward people, you also have compassion. You have an understanding. You have an awareness. It is it is. I don't, I think it's one of the most important skills to practice and and recognize because without gratitude for the things you do have, you will only focus on the things you don't. 
Correct. And that is a very negative spiral. We seldom overthink into a positive, but right. we do overthink into a negative spiral. Correct. And so, you know, finding grace, gratitude, a gratitude journal, meditating, you, you I mean, meditating can be prayer for some people. Correct. It, it just doesn't matter as long as there is an understanding that I loved what you said about that things did not happen, that he, th- understanding why things happen for you, not right. to you. Right. Because it gives you gifts. Correct. Correct. And, you know, you talk about journals and gratitude journals. So I have a, I have a 90 day journal as well. And, uh, the, it's a morning thing that you write takes three minutes and every night kind of a Mm check-in. And one of the check-ins at night is what am I most grateful for? Mm -hmm. And my example for that, or my coaching, if you will, is I don't want you to look at what you're most grateful. Today was sunny. Uh, somebody gave me a thousand dollars out of the blue. No, I want you to look at what was the most challenging part of your day today. Mm-hmm. And what in that are you grateful for? What is the gift in that? And when you can start rewiring and training your brain to look back and say, well, you know what, maybe I'm stronger for this, or mm-hmm. maybe because of this, or you start, you, and you, you have to find something in that, then mm-hmm. we can start to do that in real time. So now when something happens, okay, why is this happening for me? What is the gift in this situation? Because mm-hmm. it's got to be something. Oh, and by the way, I got to write about it tonight. So I may as well save time and figure it out right now. <laughs> uh, and so then we just start uh, training ourselves. And I, uh, my daughters, when they were back in elementary school and they would get in the car, they got asked two questions before we would ever leave the driveway uh, out of school, which they knew to answer quickly because then you're with the embarrassing mom who sits there holding up the line with all the other kids behind you honking their horn. But one was, what are you most grateful for today? And who did you help? And so when they know they're going to be asked that, they now have to go look for those things because they know they're going to be asked that every day. Who did you help? And of course, you know, uh, over time, it was getting the calls from the vice principal. I'm calling, letting you know that Hallie was seen uh, sitting with all of her friends, noticed somebody eating alone, picked up her tray and went over and ate with them. And that when you talk about skills and self-awareness, if if that's not if we didn't learn that at an early age, at some point along the way, hopefully uh, there's someone or something that you run across to say you have the ability every single day to positively impact someone else's life. And you don't know uh, that that conversation in the grocery store where all you simply did Mm -hmm. was somebody paid attention to me today. We have no idea what that ripple effect is. Maybe they were going to have a bad day and we don't know how that would have played out. But you just in that conversation changed the course of their life. We have no idea. Oh, I think we do. And I think that's why we need to take the effort. But I agree with you. Sometimes it goes by. I don't want to leave without telling people where to find out more. You can find out more about Michelle herself at innernorthstar.com. And the retreats, it's a little bit longer or it's a link off of innernorthstar.com. innernorthstarptsdretreatcenter.org. And so innernorthstar.com will get you there. And Michelle, this is fascinating and and very, very helpful because you're giving back in a way that is significant. And your success in finding ways to help people are going to help many of our listeners. So please go to innernorthstar.com. And Michelle, thank you for your time and wisdom today. Oh, thank you. I clearly appreciate the conversation so much I can't stop talking. So thank you. And that is the best way to end a show. We'll be back next week with another show. Thank you so much for listening to us today. We will be back next week with more interesting guests and more discussions. Have a great week.
Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance